You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. Welcome on in, everybody. What is going on? Happy Monday. It is the week of Christmas. It's also the start of Hanukkah. So if you are Jewish, happy Hanukkah. If you are not Jewish and you believe in Santa, then Merry Christmas. If you love Jesus, Merry Christmas and happy birthday to the babe Jesus. Holiday week, it's the holiday season, the holiday season, do-do-do-do, a-dee-dee-da, a-da-da-na-na, and you ride on that cock. It's the holiday time again, yeah, ba-dum-bum-psh. Um, yeah, can you tell I've had a lot of coffee? Um, so I got, <laughs> I got home this morning, um, yes I did, I was supposed to have a dinner with my Spotify team last night. We were supposed to have dinner here in downtown, and then at the last minute we had to reschedule it, but I was like already dressed and feeling cute and looking cute, and so instead I ended up um, having a good night um, with someone that I know, and I don't know why I opened up telling you guys that story, but I guess happy Monday? I, isn't this what happened last week? I came into the podcast on Monday, and everyone's like, you're glowing, and I'm like, well, somebody's been keeping... Well, Nobody's been keeping me glowing. We're, Zach Peter is on a love lockdown, chastity belts. There is no, there are walls up. They are gated. They are locked. We're just trying to make it through Christmas, Christmas 2022. We're trying to live life. Um, and part of living life is stocking up on No Filter Wine. So go to nofilterwine.com and stock up now on some Housewives Wine. We have, oh my God, I'm lit. And then we have, I always make it nice. By Dorinda. She's like, I cooked, I cleaned, I made it nice. I did it nice. If you can't behave, then you all go home. Or we have, oh my God, I'm lit with the sprinkle cookies in the garbage. I've been loving seeing everybody's photos with the wines. We've been getting creative. We've been doing, putting them with the elf on the shelf. And we've been, you know, wearing no filter merch with them. And we've been dressing up Faces by Bravo to like a really cute one where he like dressed up as all the housewives and reenacted all of the, the scenes and the moments. And it was cute. And love Faces by Bravo and everyone else that's been posting. It's great. I love it. Keep posting and tagging me. NoFilterWine.com, 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. Fizzy white wine, fizzy rosé, all day. Must be 21 or older to order. So head over, stock up on No Filter Wine right now. Okay, so today we have a very, I feel like this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to learn a lot, um, or we'll, we're going to go through a lot, I guess is what I should say. Um, we're going to get into the Jen Shaw and the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City of it all, following up from our Justin Paperni interview from last week, which if you guys have not done so yet, I highly suggest you go and check out that interview because he gets into all of it. He's a prison consultant and he specializes in white collar crime and gives advice to felons like Jen Shaw and tries to help them, you know, rehab their lives, get a lower sentence, try to be a better pillar of society which Jen Shaw is struggling very hard to do. But the reunion for Salt Lake City has taped. She's also released, or her legal team has released, a new briefing that is got some wild accusations that I cannot wait to go through with you because I kind of, like, looked at it over the weekend, um, and I was just, like, laughing the entire time because it was pretty funny. Pretty, pretty funny, and even Justin Paperni has had a lot to say about it since. So shall we dive in? Okay. Jen Shah, Real Houses of Salt Lake City, taped over the weekend. Lots of rumors, low-budget rumors. I mean, a lot of people, Jen Shah was not at the reunion. Mary Cosby was also not at the reunion, and she did not make any cameos, and she's not announcing a return for season four. That's like low-budget tea that's going around the internet that's not true. Mary Cosby is not returning to the Real Houses of Salt Lake City, and she had no part of the reunion. 
Also, people are already saying that it's going to be a three-part reunion. I don't think Bravo even knows how many parts the reunion special is going to be, considering Jen Shaw will not be at the reunion. She has decided to skip out, and she is issuing a statement. So as of right now, I mean, I'm anticipating it's probably going to be a two-part reunion, because why would they have a three-part reunion with... Well, I mean, I guess they have all the other women, but I feel like Jen Shaw is like a big part of it. I mean, I guess they're all going to talk about it and they all talk about Jen. She just wasn't there to talk about herself. But she issued a statement on Friday saying, statement from Jen Shaw. On September 14, 2022, I was informed by Bravo executives that I was not invited to attend the season three reunion. I was disappointed because... I would have no venue to confront inaccuracies and address my storyline with cast members. Out of nowhere, on November 29th, two and a half weeks ago, I was invited to attend. I was elated to learn I would now have a voice at the reunion. I was clear with Bravo that out of respect for the courts and a standing judicial order, I would not be in a position to discuss anything related to my legal case or sentencing. Bravo found this unsatisfactory and said that they are expecting to discuss this storyline. That expectation has no regard for me or my family's well-being. So under legal advice, I will be attend I will not be attending the reunion. I need to focus on the most important thing in my life, my family. Oof. Oof. Justin Paperni responded to this on Twitter. He said more bad messaging, stressing the important the most important thing in her the most important thing is her family not finding a way to make her victims whole. Does she even know she created victims? If her lawyers are allowing her to leave these messages, they should be fired. That was his response. I tend to agree with him, especially because she's like, I need to focus on my family. And that's like, it doesn't appear to be the thing that she's done. Um, since pleading guilty, at least from what we've seen so far. But anyway, so let's break down this statement a little bit because it's interesting that she admits that on September 14th is when she found out that she was not invited to attend the reunion. September 14th, right? BravoCon was October 14th. So she went to New York and crashed with Heather Gay in New York at BravoCon, all well, full knowing for an entire month that she was not allowed to attend the BravoCon or the reunion. Yet she still decided to go. Like, she straight up is like, I like, she's ratting on herself at this point. She's just, I, I don't even know if she thinks any of these things through. She also says that she wanted to confront inaccuracies and address her storyline. You mean the storyline where you repeatedly told us that you were innocent? Is that is that the inaccuracy that we were hoping to address? Because that would have been a great one to address at the reunion. That would have been a great opportunity to be like, yes, I pled guilty. And again, I understand the legal advice to like not say any more, but like she's already said so much that like I don't show a little remorse and be like, listen, I'm working to pay it back. I fucked up. I made a mistake. I didn't, I don't know come up with some good messaging, get a good crisis management team, talk to Justin Paperni, something, anything. She also says, out of respect for the courts and standing judicial order, she couldn't talk about her case or the sentencing. And my thought is, it's like, oh, oh okay, now we have respect for the courts. Now we have respect for the ju- judicial order. Because you didn't care about that at BravoCon, nor did you care about that in your screaming match on TMZ, nor did you care about that on your YouTube live stream with Up and Adam where you dragged your castmates, nor did you care about that in your threatening tweets to Lisa Barlow online. I mean, come on, nothing spells R-E-S-B-E-C-T, like calling out a woman a bitch on Twitter. Yeah, that's real respectful to the courts, Jen Shaw. Great. So she has, under legal advice, she will be skipping the reunion. I mean, it's about time she finally listens to legal advice. I feel like, did her attorneys not advise her on all of the above? Why is it now that we're taking this legal advice? Because her legal team just issued a 55-page sentencing brief. 55 pages. 55. 5. 5. 5. 5 where they're requesting that Jen Shaw only get three years at a minimum security Bryan, Texas prison camp. Her plea currently can get her up to 14 years in federal prison. They're saying, nah, judge, we only want her to get three. And here are 55 pages as to why she only deserves three years. It's going to take me three years to read this fucking briefing. The 55-page brief, very long, very detailed, 
we'll, that that's what we'll be discussing today. We'll be going through all of it. And it outlines Jen's guilt, um, finally acknowledges her victims, doesn't really show a lot of accountability on her end, nor do we really get much of a plan of how she wants to make her victims whole again. She has lots of testimonies from family and friends, all of whom give her gleaming character letters. <sighs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And it, I'm, I feel like, get ready, because we're about to go on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Like I said, I did a raw reaction to it on Saturday morning on Instagram. I went live, and that was a fun, wild excursion. Um, and we'll go through it more in today's podcast episode. But as of right now, there are no plans for Jen Shaw to do a sit-down interview for the reunion. I hear that there are talks of a potential sit-down with Andy Cohen after her sentencing on January 6th. That'll likely air at the end of the reunion, similar to like when Kim Richards did her sit-down with Andy when she was in rehab at the season two reunion. So that may be like the third part of the reunion, or it may stand on its own, like Luann after her divorce from Tom or Teresa and Joe after their sentencing when they did their one-on-one with Andy or two-on-one. I think she skipped the reunion because she was afraid of what Andy and the other women were going to ask her that was going to ultimately end up poking holes at her defense. Because I have the 55-page brief, and I feel like at this point we should just get into it because it's it's pretty wild. And again, this is available publicly. So anybody has access to this briefing, it's out there. It's literally out and about and doing the damn thing. So everything that is said in this brief is available to the public, which means these are all things that she is claiming which are things that she could have addressed at the Real Houses of Salt Lake City reunion. The only difference is Andy Cohen would be able to ask her about this stuff. So if she says, oh, I, you know, I was at a restaurant on X day, Andy can be like, well, what restaurant? And if she can't answer that, like he can poke holes in her story, essentially. But this is her story. This is what her legal team is saying. A lot of it is redacted, which means that a lot of the lines in the briefing are blacked out. Usually things get redacted on uh, by request of the person that's actually submitting it. So it's likely that her legal team had these pieces, these chunks redacted. A lot of the redactions seem to come from either like personal details from some of the people that give character letters or... And some of it also seems to get into, like, the details of her crimes. It sounds like she doesn't want those details out there as she's, like, taking accountability and owning up to some of these things. It sounds like she doesn't want some of these things out there, which is why it's redacted to the public. Okay, so this is the preliminary statement that I will read for you right now. Get ready. Strap in. It's story time. This court is faced with deciding the appropriate sentence for Jennifer Shaw, who has pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in relation to a long-standing telemarketing scheme in which victims, many of them elderly, lost money buying worthless services from companies in which Ms. Shaw was involved. There were many, many people involved in perpetuating this fraud, which operated openly and as part of an industry operating with a fine line between what is legal and illegal. Many businesses conducted legitimate and many businesses conducted legitimate and legal business. Ms. Shaw was involved in both the legitimate and fraudulent sides in this industry. So they're saying that not everything she did was illegal. Some of it was actually pretty legit. Some of it was legal, Judge. Not all of it was bad because, like, some of it was also good. Like, some seniors, you know, didn't lose all of their savings. So it's not, it can't be that bad, right? Some of the defendants in this extensive government investigation have been sentenced to probation or extremely short sentences, while others have received sentences up to 87 months. These sentences have been based, as is always in this situation, on the defendant's role in the offense, whether they went to trial, pleaded guilty, or cooperated, as well as the defendant's backgrounds. So they're saying a lot of the other people that were involved in this scheme, Judge, they had lower sentences and some of them only got probation. Ms. Shaw is Ms. Shaw is not like the other people involved in this vast conspiracy. She is different from them in many ways that are obvious, such as religion, race, gender, and cultural background, and in other ways more nuanced and equally important. Wow, so we're throwing the race card, the the religion card, the gender card, and the cultural background card because all these other people are just what? They're they're not religious, they're they're um 
they don't believe in God. What is that? They're they're atheist. They're white. They're I mean, I don't know what what gender because she's no women, no other women participated in this. She's the only woman that was targeted in this whole group of atheist white men with no cultural background. Jen Shaw, come on. First, most of her co-defendants are essentially career common. People who have spent their lives hopping from scheme to scheme. Professional fraudsters without an honest dollar to their name. Men who outran the FTC over and over to erect another fly-by-the-night sales floor to grab cash before getting shut down. Jen bears no resemblance to these men before she committed these acts. Wait, so she bears no resemblance to them but she committed these acts. Okay. So before she committed these acts, Miss Shaw's entire life for more than four decades was marked by hard, honest work, respectable achievement, and a hard-earned reputation of true generosity. She was generously robbing those old folks, Judge. Generously. Then there's a whole chunk that's redacted. This, along with other reasons set forth below, should be a basis for this court to vary downward from the sentences imposed on other defendants in this case. Though Ms. Shaw admittedly played an important role in the particular fraud in which she was involved, she was not she was only one of many people involved, was not involved in all facets of the conspiracy, never communicated with any of the victims, and she clearly did not invent this particular fraud, nor was she a mastermind. She didn't commit she she wasn't they're, they're trying to say she didn't invent telemarketing schemes she wasn't the originator of a telemarketing scheme got it and it's very they're like she what she didn't have a role but she did have a role but her role was really minor but like she wasn't really involved but like all these other people did it because they're criminals and she's not really a criminal make up your mind what is she is she involved or is she not involved is she taking accountability or is she not taking accountability pick a lane Ms. Shaw originally started to work in telemarketing on the legit and legal side of the business and was slowly drawn into working with a group of men who were committing fraud. She was slowly drawn in. What does that even mean? Like they were like, come, come taste this red apple. Come here, my pretty, come here. How did she just like, like what? She just stumbled into a bar one day and there were all these fraudsters just hanging around with like, hey, little girl, come hang with us. Was it an ice cream truck? Did the music, uh, you know, call her in? And then she decided, you know, and they're like, we'll take you to the candy shop, come around back. And then she goes around back and they just, what, they kidnapped her on this fraud? These men recognized, <laughs> oh, here we go. These men recognized in Miss Shaw's, uh, they, these men recognized in Miss Shaw a talent for organization, hard work, and relationship building, and they took advantage of her skills to further their own criminal ends. Oh, wow. So she was just a skilled, hardworking woman. They just found her on a corner one day and were like, we like that one. Let's bring her into this fraud scheme. At a certain point, Miss Shaw became an active and knowledgeable part- participant, which her guilty plea and profound remorse reflect. Wow. So at some point, she they are saying she became an active and knowledgeable participant. So she knew what she was doing. And she was fully engaged. And then, well before her arrest, Jen Shaw left the telemarketing business, launched her own fashion and beauty lines, and became a reality TV star. Jen Shaw indubitably proved to this court and her former co-conspirators that she permanently broke from the shadowy world of telemarketing fraud when she reinvented herself completely as a glamorous real housewife of Salt Lake City. In fact, for the past three years, Jen put her entire life under the blinding spotlight and scrutiny of video cameras appearing on a hit reality television franchise that permanently changed the course of her life and made her a household name. Oh, wow. So not only are we a woman, a woman of religion, a woman of color, a woman of cultural background, but now we're a glamorous celebrity, Judge. She's a household name now, Judge. You can't throw this household name in prison. What? She's bigger than Martha Stewart. In a perfect homage to reality television, which is an actuality, a semi-scripted, heavily edited 
facsimile of reality intentionally manipulated to maximize ratings, episodes of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City have been filmed and aired during the pendency of Miss Shaw's case, which misleadingly suggests that Miss Shaw's statements and actions in these episodes match the posture of Miss Shaw's c- case or reflect her accurate sentiments about this matter. She literally spent the entire, the past two seasons saying she's innocent. The only thing I'm guilty of is being Shaw amazing. And now she's saying that none of that reflects how she actually, none of it reflects her actual sentiments about this matter. Oh, wait, it gets better. Worse, due to editing, scripting, and the network's complete control of the storyline of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, as sentencing as her sentencing date approaches, Miss Shaw has been made to seem intransigent, defiant, and often even unrepentant about her actions here. Nothing could be further from the truth. She literally says, I'm innocent every week, but okay. Nothing could be further from the truth. Just as, didn't she also say that Stuart Smith is the reason she's in all of this on the show? I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. None of that's real. That's all editing, guys. Just as Jen Shaw has never been a housewife, didn't we just say a few lines ago she reinvented herself as a glamorous housewife? Okay. Just as Jen Shaw has never been a housewife, little else is real about her persona and caricature as portrayed by the editors of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh, what? Like her being glamorous? Because we know all of her handbags and her jewelry was counterfeit? I guess there we go. That was part of her caricature on Real Houses of Salt Lake City. The effigy of Jen Shaw portrayed in the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has no bearing on who she is whatsoever and should not enter this court's calculus in fashioning an appropriate sentence for the real Jen Shaw. Remember that, the real Jen Shaw, because we're going to get into the other Jen Shaw. What is truly remarkable about this case is that Miss Shaw, who committed this crime, and then Jen Shaw, that her, and the Jen Shaw that her family and friends know are literally two different people. It is as if the Jen Shaw, this is my favorite part. This is the art, or one of my favorite parts. It is as if the Jen Shaw who spent time in New York with a group of deadbeat criminals and fraudsters and the Jen Shaw who was the devoted mother, daughter, sister, wife, and friend in Salt Lake City are two people with little in common. They just share the same face. I added in that last part about the face. As reflected in the more than 25 letters written by this court, by her family, written to this court by her family, friends, and colleagues, Jen Shaw is an incredibly generous, loving, and caring person who has devoted herself selfishly, selflessly to all of her extended family and to many friends in need of support and help. What is astounding about these letters from people who have known Jen their whole lives to those who have just met her a few years ago is the consistent portrayal of a woman who gives of herself to others, particularly to those in need because of their physical or mental disabilities or because they're marginalized due to race or sexual orientation. She literally said, I've worked with the homeless, I've worked with the toothless, and they were mentally disabled, and they were gay. She's just like... It's not even, she's throwing all the cards down. She is Mother Teresa. She is Jen Shaw Teresa, Mother Jen. She's like, you know what, Judge? I'm not just going to give you one. I'm not going to play the race card or the woman card. I'm just going to give you the whole deck and we're going to do a magic trick. Pick a card, any card. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? She literally, she stands up for the physical, the, those that are physical and those with physical and mental disabilities and those that are marginalized due to race and sexual orientation. Listen, on behalf of the gays, I stand for all the gays in this moment. We don't own her. We don't know her. We don't want her. We send her back. Send it back in the mail, judge. We do not claim her at all. There's only one gay that claims her and you can go subscribe to his YouTube channel. <laughs> That was a little shade. But that was also a promotion. That was a promotion. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel, guys. Great info. Um, There is some good info there. I shouldn't be too shady. But as far as I know, not many of the gays are owning her or claiming her. Um, How then to reconcile these two parts of the same person and to determine the appropriate punishment for a person who committed a serious crime and hurt many innocent victims, yet at the same time has helped so many people? 
a woman who has acknowledged her guilt and expressed remorse when, literally when, and certainly will not commit any further crimes. She was literally just on a boat throwing shit into the ocean. Okay. But that was editing. Sorry, guys. That, that was all editing on a scripted reality show. She will certainly not commit any further crimes, but will rather continue to devote her life to helping others. You go, Mother Jen. In addition, Miss Shaw's failure to plead guilty early in the investigation is not a reflection of her lack of remorse. Rather, it reflects the enormous shame and guilt that she feels and the difficulty she has endured in admitting to those who love and admire her that she had committed this crime. However, Miss Shaw has now been able to face her actions, admit her guilt, and begin the process of healing for herself, her family, and most importantly, for the victims of this fraud. How? Where is the plan to make the victims whole? Where is the public statement that says, I'm sorry to the victims? All of her public statements have made it seem like her family is the most important thing rather than the families that she's ruined. Just going to throw that out there. But, I mean, here it says she's admitted her guilt. I mean, she sure looked real guilty when she was telling Tamara Judge that she's not going to prison. She's not going anywhere. She's begun the process of healing for herself. She looks real healed when she was tweeting at Lisa Barlow, calling her a bitch on Twitter. On January 6, 2023, this court will make the biggest decision in the life of Jen Shaw, her husband, her children, and her very large and loving extended family. Defendant Jennifer Shaw comes before this court having pled guilty to a single count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1349 and 18 U.S.C. 2326 arising from her involvement in the fraudulent telemarketing scheme, a mistake that, sh- that has not only ruined her own life, but has broken her heart as she has watched the damage that her actions have caused to the family that she loves so dearly. Not the families that she's ruined or the people that she's stolen from, mind you. Her heart is broken as she's had to watch the damage that her actions have caused to the family that she loves so dearly. Again, her family is more important than all the other families that have been victimized by her crime. We ask your honor to impose a sentence of 36 months imprisonment. We submit that such a sentence is just and fair because it takes into account Miss Shaw's history and characteristics, the facts and circumstances of the of the offense, and meets the statutory requirement of 18 U.S.C. 3553A that a court imposes a sentence that is not greater than necessary to achieve the goals of punishment. Right, and per her plea deal, let me remind her attorneys, per her plea deal, not greater than necessary is capped at 14 years. She was facing up to 50 years. She took a plea deal and they capped it at 14. Okay, that was not greater than necessary. And then they get into all the different arguments. We get into Jen Shaw's personal history and her characteristics. Miss Shaw comes from an unusual background that placed great demands on her at a young age and throughout her life. Here we talk about her family and her growing up in Provo, Utah, and her father and her mother, and then her getting pregnant, and then her father disowning her because she got pregnant, and how she was the oldest, and because she was the oldest, she was the Fahu, and the oldest female sibling um, has the highest respect at all formal and informal occasions, from funerals to weddings to births. She acts as the family matriarch and oversees her siblings, her nieces, her nephews. Thus, Jen holds the position of being the caretaker who is responsible for the family. She has lived she's lived this esteemed role and accepts the responsibility and has exemplified this role throughout her life. I mean... My goodness. So she carried all of her family. She carried her mom and her dad and her siblings and her siblings' kids all on her back. She was the Fahu that took care of everybody. That's why she had to commit these crimes, Judge, because she was taking care of her family. Let me tell you something about my family. Jen Shah's mother is also extremely accomplished. We know because she was able to give Jen Shah a million dollars. It seems like she didn't come from humble beginnings. She went to university out in Utah. Her mother seemed to be successful. 
Okay, then we get to Jen being a, a college dropout. So she carried her family on her back. Got it. Then she dropped out of the University of Utah so that she could support her husband and newborn son. So she was taking, she was going to school. She was taking care of all of her siblings at the University of Utah. Okay. This bitch right here went to PCC, Pasadena Community College. I didn't even go to a university. Um, that just wasn't. I mean, I, I went I went to community college. It's fine. I, you know, I did two years. Um, but she literally was able to afford going to a university. And this is where she met her future husband, Sharif Shah, an African-American Muslim on a football scholarship from Los Angeles. As Sharif describes, we dated for two years and absolutely fell in love. What's not to love? about her how uh, however it was not a match made in heaven my parent my wife's parents did not seem to like me because i played football and i was not polynesian or mormon but rather an african-american muslim from the dirty streets of los angeles wow now we're we're, we're going there we're saying her family is racist and they didn't like me because i was black from the dirty streets of los angeles okay i zach peter am from the dirty streets of los angeles and i can tell you right now they're not that dirty okay like why are you coming up on on my hood? I can I grew up in East LA. I grew up in the in the dirty streets of Los Angeles, um, and I think I'm doing. I think I made it out okay. I don't think that's any justification for me to go out and and steal from the elderly, right? But he says that he was judged by her parents. Eventually, she got pregnant, which broke her broke every rule in the family, and it broke her father's heart. Her father disowned her. Eventually, he came around once Sharif Jr. was born, and then because Sharif Jr. was born, she had to drop out of out of um, she had to drop out of the university so that Sharif could finish college, and she had to work to take care of her family and to take care of Sharif Jr. Okay, this um. Then they talk about how Sharif's football career ended because of an injury. Jen dropped out of college to support me and to support our baby boy. I worked two jobs during graduate school and law school. Okay, so we could afford to go to graduate school and law school. So we're not hurting that much. Like, I get it. It's expensive and you have to pinch some pennies. But, like, my parents had me in high school. I was an oopsie-whoopsie behind the bleachers. My parents didn't go to university. They didn't go to grad school. They didn't go to law school. That wasn't something that was easily afforded to them. <sighs> okay. My wife worked three jobs while I attended law school. During the week from nine to five, she was a secretary for a nonprofit organization. Um, in the evenings, she was a nanny for a physician. And then on the weekends, oh, I love this part. And on the weekends, she worked as a, as a model at local fashion shows and did photo shoots for various magazines and online publications. My wife was willing to care more than her, carry more than her fair share of our marital obligations in order to place our family in a better position. Jen always felt tremendous guilt for not completing college because she felt that her failure to do so would disappoint her parents. I mean, her parents should be proud. She's over here taking care of everybody. She's watching her own kid. She has a nine-to-five job, and she's a nanny to this physician, and she's modeling on the side. She's a supermodel on photo shoots in various magazines and online publications. She's just juggling it all. Look at her. She's a hustler. You go, Jen Shaw. And she's taking care of the mentally disabled and the physically disabled and the, and the people that are marginalized and all the gays. She's just... You know, she's just driving the clown car and you wouldn't even guess her little Prius was fitting all these minorities back there and fitting all these marginalized communities back there and all of these family members back there. But she's just carrying everybody and she is carrying the load of all of it. No wonder she had to break the law. This makes sense. So we get they get into the their relationship um, and then they talk about how Jen is such a devoted mother and she, you know. She traded in her career academic and career, or her academic and career ambitions for motherhood, and she transferred her natural strong work ethic to be an exceptional working mom. Hoping to have a big family like she once grew up in, Jen and Sharif tried for years to give Sharif Jr. a younger and then blank. Everything's redacted, so we don't really know much about what they were trying to give him or not trying to give him. Jen helps many members of her extended family. And then she lists all of the extended family and all of the letters from her extended family. Okay. We have her mother, her brothers, Khalil and Jerry. We have her two sisters, 
We have her nephew. We have her mother-in-law. We have her father-in-law. We have her sister-in-law. We have her brother-in-law. We have a niece by marriage. We don't know who the niece is. She's just listed as a niece. Oh, no, there she is. Um, and then we have a cousin, Danny. Danny's in there, too. So 10 members of Jen's extended family wrote letters in for Jennifer Shaw. What's striking about these letters is the consistent description of Jen as someone who goes out of her way time and time again to help people in distress and to give of herself, of her time and her energy, and to make others feel that someone cares about them and is there to help. Sounds like a great justification for why we ripped off the elderly. Because people needed her. And then a lot of these letters are redacted, so we don't actually get to see what they're actually saying. They're all blacked out. We don't need to go through the letters. We just just know she's Mother Teresa. Okay. Then they get into the advisory guideline calculations. Um, and here, this is where they try to make the argument that, you know, she doesn't deserve the 14 years. She only deserves the three years because all of the other people involved in the case, they have all gotten lesser sentences. But again, remember, the feds have named Jen as the ringleader. They've put her at the top of the list. So they're kind of like, mm, she deserves the most. She comes in. Okay. So she gets into all the reasons she does not think that she should have a long sentencing. Okay. First of all, they say that the 135 to 168 months, which is the 11 to 14 years that she's currently looking at, the range that her plea deal is the ballpark range that she's possibly going to be getting they said that this is purely advisory. This is just, you know, a recommendation, but is hardly what the judge needs to follow. Judge, just because they recommend that, just because that's what our plea deal said and that's what we signed, you don't have to do that, judge. You can be nicer to her because she's a working mom. She's a loving person. She helps the gays and the mentally disabled and the physically disabled and the marginalized communities and all of her family members and even cousin Danny. He wrote a letter, judge. You read the letter from Danny. He wrote a letter, so we know Jen Shaw's a good person. The probation department has recommended a sentence of 72 months, okay, which is considerably lower than the guideline range. Exactly. While the probation department has considered some of the factors detailed in the sentencing memorandum that justifies a downward variance from the sentencing guide, it has not considered all such factors. Okay, so let's get into all such factors, okay? Um, we submit the crucial information and assert contained in this report warrant an even greater variance for the guidelines that are recommended. Okay. So they, they're like, the guideline says that she doesn't, she shouldn't get all 14 years, but here are the other reasons we think she shouldn't get all 14 years. First of all, COVID's still a real thing. They threw that card in there. We're in a pandemic. The Rona is out there, and we can't be putting her in prison because the Rona can get her. The Rona wants her. She's a good woman. She's a working mom. The Rona wants her, and if we put her in prison, the Rona's going to get her. Ramona is going to walk on in there, and she's going to beat her down, and we don't want Ramona to beat her down, right? Even though technically we're not still in the middle of a global pandemic because, okay, but that's the argument. I get it if it was 2020. You know, and it was like the height of everything, right? Even 2021, right? But we're literally going into 2023. She's likely not going to be turning herself in until a couple months into 2023. But here we go. So they they said the Rona is a real thing, and the Rona Ramona the Rona Ramona wants the Ramona coaster wants to get the Gen Shaw. Um, they also talk about let's see what else do they get into here they're making their case a sentence well below the guideline range is consistent with sentences imposed to substantially similar defendants convicted of similar conduct so they're saying that the other people in this case the co-defendants they got lesser time than jen shaw did so that's why it's only fair that jen gets the least amount of time not just probation but just a lower amount of time Um, we dispute the government's ranking of Miss Shaw as a tier A in the conspiracy. While it's true that Miss Shaw provided leads to many of the people involved in this crime, she certainly did not create, organize, control, or run this multi-pronged, multi-state conspiracy. Proof of this are proof of this are the facts that 
A, many of these co-defendants neither received their leads from Miss Shaw, had any contact with her, nor even knew her. Wow, so they didn't even know her. How were they running this game? They didn't even know Jen Shaw. All these people that were working under her, they didn't even know her. Many of these co-defendants who did know Miss Shaw complained that she controlled who received their she complained that she controlled who received her leads and Miss Shaw did not give them her leads. They were still able to carry out their crimes. And three, the myriad of telemarketing frauds involved in this conspiracy, though different in various reiter- various iterations regarding what product was being sold, required not just leads, but also marketing, a sales floor, and a fulfillment center. Thus, Ms. Shaw's piece of the puzzle, though important, was not enough to carry out this fraud without the other crucial pieces controlled and directed by experienced criminals who were not Ms. Shaw. She's not an experienced criminal. She's a new criminal. She's new to the game, okay? She's just getting her career, her criminal career started, Judge. So she doesn't know all the background. So all these other people that she was working with, all these other people that she was directing, they were the ones that were really carrying out the crime, right? It wasn't her. There is neither a reason nor evidence to place Ms. Shaw at the grandfather or kingpin level of this fraud. The fraud started before her, often carried on without her involvement, and she was never the sine qua non of of this conspiracy. What is sine qua non? I'm assuming that is some sort of reference to the godfather and kingpin titles that they listed. In addition to Avoiding sentencing disparities between Ms. Shaw and co-defendants. In this case, the court should equally avoid a sentencing dis- uh, disparity between Ms. Shaw and other fraud defendants generally. And then they get into why, and they get into all the statistics about why she shouldn't get that much time. <sighs> Jen's unquestionable devotion to her sons and her husband warrants leniency. So because she loves her kids and because she loves her husband, she shouldn't have to have to plead she shouldn't have to serve as much time that was their second argument their next argument a sentence well below the guideline range will be more sufficient to achieve the goals of specific and general deterrence (sighs) here's where i think they get into how expensive it is to house her oh they say that she doesn't it's very unlikely that she'll reoffend. um that she'll end up breaking the law again She's a good person. She knows the emotional and psychological toll that her sons have already been forced to pay. They forget as a result of her actions, as a result of the actions of her mother, as a result of her mother's crime. They didn't write that in there. These are harms for which she will spend the rest of her life atoning. Really? Because she was just parting it up at BravoCon. That is some real atonement right there. An extended period of incarceration will impose substantial burdens on Jen's family in the middle of a global pandemic. Again, we're no longer in the middle of a global pandemic. People are out. People are working. Jobs are happening. People are shopping for Christmas right now. The stores are crowded. We are not in the middle of a global pandemic. Girl, please. Her family can't survive in the middle of a global pandemic without her. A sentence of 36 months serves the interests of the federal system and is fair to Jen. Again, we bring up the Rona and how the Rona is a threat to Jen and the Rona wants to get her. Recognizing that the Rona requires sentencing courts to take brutal conditions of confinement into consideration, countless federal courts have affirmatively granted downward variances based on the Rona. We attach here a chart of such sentences. Sentencing Jen to 36 months also serves with two important interests. First, not imposing an extended custodial sentence on Jen will be greatly reduce her risk of contracting the Rona, which has spread widely. Like, this is a, like we're really throwing down the Rona card right now. We're really going there. And they make a whole argument and they talk about the statistics and the people and the judges, or not the judges, but the, the convicts. Jen will be able to repay restitution faster without a period of incarceration. So we want to keep her out there so that she could keep working, Judge. She's a real house. She's a glamorous real housewife of Salt Lake City. And she has to pay that $6.6 million to the victims of her actions. 
She's eager to make these people whole and very cognizant of the fact that many of them are elderly and need this money as soon as possible. Jen does not have the funds to make this payment today because she spent it. More than anything, she wishes that she did have the money to pay them back. While Jen is jointly and severely liable for this amount with Stuart Smith, because we have to drag him back into this, it is indisputable that once she is returned to society, she will be better positioned to be able to earn the funds to rectify this debt. The longer Jen is incarcerated, the longer the victims will have to wait to be made whole again. Wow. So they're saying Jen needs to work. Remember what Justin Paperni said? He's like, give us the plan. Don't tell us that you're going to pay this money back. Show us how you're going to pay this money back. There is no plan listed here, number one. And number two, since getting arrested, or she says she wasn't arrested, the cops just called her in because they wanted to chat with her. They wanted to ask her a couple of questions, but she was not arrested. She said, I remember when her contacts got dry and then that's why she was crying. She's, they're now saying that the victims will have to wait if she's incarcerated. But again, she's had all of this time to start saving some money, to start liquidating some assets that weren't already seized by the feds. She's not coming to court with any money up front. Take your mom's $1 million savings that you were going to use towards your, your legal fees and use that towards your restitution. Zero mention of how she's going to pay these victims back. But she just says, don't send me to jail for too long because then I can work. Then we get into the, to their next argument, okay? This, this one's great. Due to her celebrity status, which she has used to significantly advance the rights of marginalized and disenfranchised communities, Jen is uniquely positioned to benefit society. Wow. So we have the Rona argument. We have the... Um, we'll pay back the victims faster argument if we don't send her to prison. And now we have the celebrity status argument. From a young age, Jen took on the role of the Fahu and the responsibility of being a role model. Okay, we got it. You were the Fahu. Jen has been extremely active in a number of social justice organizations. The primary focus of her volunteer work is to combat racism, to raise awareness of the mental health challenges of the LGBTQIA community and combat discrimination against the community and support women's rights to reproductive freedom. Wow. Here we go again. We're going to raise awareness for mental health, for the LGBTQIA community. We're going to combat racism. We're going to combat women's rights to reproductive freedom. Jen is just doing it all. Where does she find? And she was modeling on the weekends. When does she have the time? My goodness. You go, Jen. You go, Jen. You go, Glenn Coco. But again, can we stop bringing the gays into this? Like the gays do not stand with Jen Shaw. We don't. We don't want her. Take. You know what we say? Lock her up. Lock her up. That is what the gays say. Lock her up. Hey. Since pleading guilty, Jen has spent the majority of her time trying to help and give back to her community through the following organizations. And then she lists all the organizations, but they're all redacted. So we don't know what organizations she was actually working with. Oh, oh, here we go. She partners with another organization and helps distribute food to the communities in need every week. Wow. Every week. She's feeding the communities in need. So she's out there feeding the homeless and the toothless. She's participated in feeding multiple families over the past few months. Really? Why doesn't she spend that time paying back her victims? <sighs> she's on the committee that arranges Rona testing and shots for the elderly and at-risk groups. Wow. Okay. This is where we go into assisting the elderly. Additionally, Jen assisted in helping the elderly to find basic health and social resources in Utah. In light of the language barrier, she accompanies elderly members to doctor's appointments to help them understand the care they are receiving and the and voice their concerns. So not only are we here for the homeless and the toothless and the and the, the marginalized communities and the gay people and the mentally disabled and the physically disabled, now we're also helping the elderly and we drive them to and from their doctor's appointments. Okay, first of all, saying that you're a pillar of your community because you're you're here to drive the elderly to their doctor's appointments when you're currently about to face sentencing for taking advantage of the elderly, probably not the smartest move. She's like, judge, I don't hate the old people. I take them to their doctor's appointments. We just happen to stop off at their bank first and I make them give me their credit cards and then we go. And then when we're checking out, in the parking lot, I let them know all of the fees that their insurance didn't cover that I that they have to Venmo me for. 
Like she's really trying to say, I help the elderly in Utah. She is something else. And then a lot of it's redacted. Okay, in order to protect women's rights, Jen uses her social platform to promote, organize, and attend multiple rallies throughout the state of Utah. Also, through her social platform, she sponsored and promoted something, redacted, to bring attention to mental health awareness, redacted. Additionally, Jen has spent time working with redacted. This organization was created to help redacted. I mean... It's all redacted. As noted, Jen is very active in supporting the gay and lesbian teen community. Okay, can we leave the gays out of this? Okay, you already dragged the old people in. Like, pick pick a, a cause. Pick one cause. Since you help them all every single week, and you're driving everybody around town, and you're taking them to their doctor's appointments, Jen has used her social media presence to help and support these causes. Jen is a Polynesian, Muslim, Mormon woman. She uniquely represents each and all of these groups and for many of them she is only their she is their only spokesperson oh wow so for all the polynesian women all the muslim women and all the mormon women she is their only spokesperson wow jen will now have the opportunity to teach her communities followers fans, and the world about accepting responsibility, getting help, making amends, and atoning for one's mistakes. Really? How is she doing that? Please give me one example. Please, defense team, give me one example of her accepting responsibility, getting help, making amends, and atoning for her mistakes. Please. Her story will be powerful and watched keenly by millions. We're watching her story right now. First of all, it's not millions. It's about six, seven hundred thousand, hundred, yeah, seven hundred thousand per week. Um, so we're not quite at the millions level yet. Um, with Real Houses of Salt Lake City airing on Bravo. Her story will be powerful and watched keenly by millions who want to see her come back, having paid her debts to society so she can pay her debt to the victims here. But more than that, they want to see Jen be the champion they need, still standing up for them, fighting for them, and leading their way to the never-ending battle for equality in America. Bullshit. I don't want to see her. I'm in the, the homeless and toothless and marginalized communities. Listen, I'm Hispanic. I grew up in the dirty streets like Sharif did, the dirty streets of Los Angeles, which, again, are not that dirty. Like, I actually think they're... I live in downtown. Like, yeah, they're a little dirty. And, like, yeah, there's probably going to be, like, shit on the streets. But, like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm... It's fine. Okay? It's fine. And besides, I mean, if Jen wants to come and help, Los Angeles can use Jen Shaw. Can we put out the bat signal and say, Jen Shaw, come here. We'll put up AARP, and that'll attract her, right? The AARP logo will just shine it out like the bat signal. That'll get her. That'll get Fahu Jen. She really said that the, that she's the only spokesperson for some of these people. I, I mean... Even the level of delusion continues. Rather than become a trite cautionary tale, Jen promises to be the Fahu for her family and society, a redemption story to make her ancestors and descendants proud forever. I mean, this is like, I, I can't anymore. Like, it's just the bullshit, the lies, the lies. Both Jen and society... Oh, and here's their next argument. Additional public interest considerations. Okay. What are the additional public interest considerations? Both Jen and society would benefit from giving Jen a sentence of 36 months rather than warehousing her for three to six years. Oh, because this is where they cost about how, they talk about how expensive it is. Apparently, it's $44,000 a year to house an inmate. And so they're like, with Jen, imprisoning her would cost $265,000 for a six-year sentence. Yeah. That's what happens when you break the law. We have to fucking pay for it. We have to pay for your crimes with our taxpaying money. That's how it goes. I don't like it, but I would rather pay $44,000 a year to see your ass locked up. I will pay. Where do I sign on the dotted line? Yes, judge. Take my tax money. Take it. Well, actually, my taxes don't go to paying her. Well, no, it's federal. Yeah, my federal taxes pay for her. Lock her up. There we go. Can I, when I pay my taxes for 2023, can I just add in the comment section specifically for Jennifer Shaw's prison sentence? And I will, and let's make it collect every year. 
So every time I have to pay taxes, I want them all to go to housing Jen Shaw specifically for many years to come. Many, many years to come. Takes my Take my tax dollars, please. Jen is neither dangerous nor incorrigible. She was demonstrate she has demonstrated over the past 2 years that she is law abiding, family oriented and peaceful. Oh, she's peaceful. Wow. She's law abiding and peaceful. How is she law abiding and peaceful? She literally is in this mess because she broke the law. Peaceful. Yeah, we see her breaking glasses, we see her screaming at her friends, we see her beating people wanting to beat people up in sprinter vans, but that was all, you know. That's all editing. Okay, here's the conclusion everybody. Conclusion, page 54. We made it through all of them, guys. Jennifer Shaw is an exceptional mother and a good woman who has already been punished extensively as a result of the sins of her past. We respectfully request that the court impose a sentence of 36 months incarceration. We further request that the court recommend and that the court... Re- uh, oh, it's redacted. The court recommend blank and that the court recommend Miss Shaw be incarcerated at the FPC Bryan facility in Bryan, Texas. So she wants the minimum security prison in Bryan. And then she signs it. Um, I seem to at some point glossed over the tale of two Jen story. I guess we kind of touched on it a bit, but somewhere in these 55 pages, she gets more in depth about the tale of two Jen Shaws and how they're two completely different people. There's this loving, doting mother in Salt Lake City that's the Fahu, and she, you know, fights for all the homeless and the toothless and the gays and the marginalized communities and the people of color and the women, all the women, the Polynesian women and the Mormon women, because she's the only voice and face for them. And she feeds the homeless on the weekends and she drives the elderly people to their appointments and she, you know, cashes in on their Medicaid checks and all of that stuff, right? All of that. And that's one Jen Shaw. And then the other Jen Shaw, who's a completely different person. And, and we don't know her, right? The whole It's a whole Jekyll and Hyde argument that they get into in this uh, in the briefing where they basically say, as, as was mentioned in the opening, um, there are two Jen Shaws. And this Jen Shaw from Salt Lake City should not be held responsible for the New York City Jen Shaw that was eating Meredith out at the steakhouse. Or partying it up in BravoCon. Now we know why she was being a monster at BravoCon. Because she was the New York Jen Shaw. She wasn't the real Jen Shaw. The real Jen Shaw, how they referred to her, is innocent. And a good woman. She's a good woman. She doesn't break the law. She doesn't commit crimes. It's only the New York Jen Shaw where the sales floor was. That's the Jen Shaw that we... We don't like her and we should lock her up. But the Salt Lake City Jen Shaw should not pay for the crimes of this other woman, this New York Jen Shaw. Oh my goodness. Honestly, I can't, you guys. This was wild. This was a solid 55 pages of just, wow. Mother Teresa. Jenny from the block is quite, quite the, the pillar in our community. It was great. Love how she talks about how Salt Lake City just tried to edit her to look bad. The fraudsters driving the elderly people. That was probably my favorite part was when she was driving the elderly people. The tale of two Jen's argument, the whole heckle and jide, Jekyll and Hyde, sorry, I was quoting Teresa. The whole Jekyll and Hyde argument, wild. But my favorite part probably is the driving the the elderly to and from their doctor's appointments because that was classic. Jenny from the block is a saint, you guys. She's a saint. Why would we lock up this woman? She is a pillar of the community. Why would we lock her up? She's done nothing wrong. It was all those criminals that she happened to be hanging around and directing to do these crimes. But that's why she's going to prison for conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Oy vey, mama mia, here I go again. Okay, guys, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to smash the like button. Subscribe if you're listening to this or you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on the podcast, be sure to follow the podcast. and Leave me a good five-star review. Leave me a nice review. The ratings are helpful. Um, the trolls are cunts, and I don't want to hear from them anymore. So if you leave me nice, positive reviews, I appreciate them. And I love and appreciate you for sharing them. So thank you guys for um, for the love and for the support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed this briefing. Again, this is all available publicly. So these are all things that she could have addressed at the 
Salt Lake City reunion. Like they could have given Andy Cohen this whole 55 page document and he could have formed his questions based off of the, the claims that she makes in this 55 page sentencing brief that her legal team provided to the court. Because now the court has to make a decision come January 6th. Is Jen Shaw going to go to prison for three years? Is she going to go to prison for six years? Is she going to go to prison for 14 years? I would say she's probably going to go... I've been saying eight to ten. I can possibly see it going to six. I'm still hoping for at least eight to ten. We'll see. Give me a follow at Just Plain Zach if you want to keep up with me. Follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach and stock up on No Filter Wine at NoFilterWine.com. Fizzy light crisp rosé, fizzy light crisp white wine. I always make it nice and oh my God, I'm lit. Available now. 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. Available at NoFilterWine.com. Must be 21 or older to order. NoFilterWine.com. Go right now. Holiday collection. This is your last chance to get it. So head on over. All right, guys. Love you. Mean it. Ciao for now.